Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, Neon, Helium, Xenon, Krypton. Transform and roll out. Hey, Mondo listeners, it's Max here. I'm with Kurt Krayler, uh, someone who's got an exciting update for us, a, a, pub, a, a writer, a really architect, many different things. Um, has a new book coming out. It's a historic look on photography and um, yeah, just some cultural importance to to neon and uh, the city of, of of Toronto. So there's a lot of more exciting things that we could talk about. But yeah, welcome to the uh, the show. Thanks, Max. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, wonderful. It, there's a lot of really cool things happening. We just talked about this, just defining neon and, and what's happening. Um, Tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe who you are and what, you know, what this is, you know, what, what exactly the book is, what, you know, in, in terms of its essence and um, what it's contributing to neon and what, what, how that got put together. You want to kind of start from there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so as you mentioned, I'm uh, Kirk Krayler and I'm based in Toronto. I'm a, a licensed architect. I work at uh, ERA Architects, which is a firm that focuses on heritage preservation and adaptive reuse. Um, and so the book really came up in a conversation between my boss and I uh, when we got talking about these amazing signs that we were seeing in all these historic photographs and um, just thinking about what would be a, a great way to uh, share these photographs and start thinking about the cultural value of these old signs, um, in particular neon, uh, and thinking about how that could be distributed to a broader audience beyond just the architecture and the signage worlds, but to um, a population uh, you know, that's interested in, in history and learning a bit more about, about the city. Um, and so that's where that the book really came out um, was a conversation um, and it, it just grew um, in its support within the office. Uh, we received funding from the office to put the book together and collaborated with a local publisher um, and used their their connections and their understanding of how to put a book together because as an architecture firm, we didn't have that uh, experience. So between um, Spacing Magazine, which is the local publisher, uh, and ourselves at ERA Architects, we pulled this publication together. Um, and we have a series of chapters. And so we wanted to initially focus on Neon, but then realized that there's a broader context in which to uh, situate the importance of Neon. Um, and so we actually explore different types of signage uh, within the city. Uh, and so across eight chapters, we have uh, sort of a chronological survey of, of signage. So beginning with painted billboards and, and painted signs, um, getting into neon and then to backlit um, box signs, channel letters, um, and then eventually getting into a discussion of LED signs and, and the future of signage. Um, so and we really cover a broad scope, but I think neon is such a an instrumental uh, part of signage history uh, in Toronto and in uh, North America in general. Yeah, it's a fascinating look at, I mean, especially when you look at Toronto, it's got a, a wonderful landscape of different signage and a really rich history, a vibrant history. Um, 
I just, I'm fascinated by people who can do multiple things, you know, especially when it comes to from an architecture world. I mean, clearly there's some sort of thorough lines and, and thorough ways, you know, publishing something is fairly difficult. It's not something that comes, I'm sure, natural to an architect, but you guys took this on anyway. Um, what were, I guess, you know, as, as you kind of look at the project and it's completed form, I'm sure there was other things that were left on the cutting room floor just due to time and, and cost constraints and things like that. But you have a pretty wide range of contributors. Um, you know, this day and age, it's sometimes hard enough to just get one person in one place. Um, how did all those people come together? Like, what did that look like? Were there like a safety net where it was like, okay, if we don't get X and Y and Z, we're going to kind of still go with, you know, this group here. Or how did that, how did you guys kind of put that together? Yeah, so um, it was a bit of a longer process. It, it took us about four to five years to really pull this together. Um, and in the span of, of those years, um, we were meeting uh, different people and uh, just having conversations and starting to understand who uh, we could you know, assign the, the task of writing about a particular type of signage um, within the city. And so... Uh, that sort of happened organically. And then our partnership with uh, Spacing um, also brought in a group of writers that um, have written for the magazine and for the uh, for the publication. Um, and those established connections were also really instrumental. Um, so we have a mix of um, you know, heritage writers and people that are really focused on local history. But we also wanted to bring in some new and, and fresh perspectives. Um, so I, I have a uh, a colleague of mine that I went to school with who has been doing a lot of writing. Um, and she actually wrote about the, the signs of the Persian-Canadian community that we have here in uh, Toronto. And so I thought it was important to bring in uh, other voices, um, not just from established historians, but also new new voices um, and uh, from other architects within the city and have their perspectives reflected in the book as well. So we have quite a range of contributors. Um, and so I think that was the, the criteria that we set for ourselves uh, from the, the uh, onset was to not only just rely on the established um, historians within the city, but also to bring in those new voices. It's a conversation that I think really kind of speaks to the volumes of 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 people that work in that city. You know, each place has its own uh, identity, as you know. And you know, what often defines a city isn't necessarily always its signage, but it does give a clear clue and, and as to where you know it's headed. Um, obviously, we talk about what it means to save a sign nowadays, or you know, one that's in sort of disrepair, but I still think there's so much that we could do to kind of document these things. This book seems like a really wonderful sort of love letter to the city, but also it gives you an idea of, you know, the people that live and work in that area, you know, whether it's going to be you know, uh, food or entertainment or or whatever it's commercializing or whatnot. But I think, you know, signage, especially in its outdoor form, is is readily accessible. I mean, but also largely forgotten. People sort of just assume these signs are where they need to be, but clearly there's um, commercial entities that either will take up shop or, you know, have their own self-interest, whether it be to continue on with that preservation of them or move them entirely. So there's also right. a really great historical component to the book. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll talk about the the sign that's on the cover of the book. So it's a, a neon sign um, for Fillmore's Hotel in here in Toronto, and it's a a, a strip club that's uh, been in operation for the last several decades. Um, and it's in an area that's rapidly gentrifying. And so a condo developer has actually bought the the building and is slated to remove the the original neon sign. Um, and in the the research for the book, we actually came across the original iteration of the sign, which was for a former hotel called Westover uh, Hotel. Uh, and it was a very similar configuration. And uh, so we started thinking about what it means to remove a sign that's been on a building for over half a century um, and to remount it in a new location. And that's what's being proposed. Um, and so I make the case in the introduction for the book about preserving signs in place, um, especially for signs that are so integral to a building um, that when they're removed, it's really hard to recreate the conditions that made it special in the first place. Um, and so there's talk about within the city of creating our own uh, neon museum and that potentially these signs that uh, are removed from buildings could be remounted uh, in a, a neon museum, very similar to the one in, in Las Vegas and, and in other cities. Um, but there are certain signs, I think, that um, still have a, a very specific context that, like I was saying, can't be recreated in a museum-like context. Um, and so for this sign specifically, it's located at a, a, corner, a corner intersection um, that has a unique uh, configuration with the street. Um, and because of the, the location of the, the corner of the building, the sign has quite a significant prominence. Um, so I, I think that would be quite a challenge to, to recreate. Uh, so I think that speaks to the value of, of heritage preservation of, of these signs and what it means to remember uh, the city and, and those artifacts within the city and keeping them in place. So that's why we wanted to put it on the cover was to, uh, you know, engage in that debate uh, of a sign that's currently being slated for removal. And that's why you see it on the, the main cover is so, uh, an important sign within the city. Well, it's, it's cool, too, because I think you see a lot of animation between where the sign is and where the kind of context of the corner meets. I think this is sort of like a rounded off corner, is it? So it is yeah. multiple bands of neon up and down. And there's also sort of this um, really strong sort of bold font, sort of all in capital font. But, you know, what, what I think what happens a lot of times, too, is you know, like you mentioned, too, is it change ownership? And there's kind of a an issue around that. Um, I guess whether obviously it's a great opportunity too to kind of engage readers that may or may not know all that much about the signs of Toronto or may have lived there. Um, I think it's a great way to kind of just get the word out. Um, what are yeah. there any like fun stories that come to mind? Like as you know, you've you've traveled this through you know years and years of work. Are there any kind of things that you've learned or kind of like highlights for you that you kind of came across while you were kind of putting the book together? Yeah, so one of the highlights in the book um, is in in the neon uh, chapter specifically was my interview with uh, 
Dizzy Minot, who's a, a sign maker here in, in the city of Toronto, has worked on a lot of uh, famous signs here, um, specifically the, the Zanzibar sign and the restoration of the Amo Combo sign here, which are two you know, famous uh, clubs uh, here in uh, in the city. Um, so when I posted a photo of, of one of the signs on my Instagram, he reached out to me directly and, and said, proudly that he had worked on that sign and uh, had initiated that conversation. And over the years, uh, we would message back and forth. And then I told him I was putting a book together and that I would love to interview him. Um, and so then in our interview for the book, um, he had lots of amazing stories and in his 40 years within the, the signage industries and uh, bending neon um, and just it was amazing to hear his uh his experiences uh within the industry and one of the things that came up was um the the racism he experienced as uh, one of the few black men within the industry um and just the challenges that he had to overcome uh having his own business um within the city and then uh the challenges of, of finding um, business and clients that would uh, commission him to produce their signs. And so then he actually left the industry for uh, several years and uh, he was a trombone player. So he took his act on the road and um, started to miss the industry and came back uh, several years later to Toronto and um, got back into to sign making and, and neon bending. Um, and so he sort of has the, the two careers that he's established for himself, one as a trombone player and in nightlife and the other as a, a sign maker. And so just hearing the stories of the people behind the signs, I think, is, is just as important as the nostalgia that we all share um, as a public and enjoying these signs. I think understanding what went into making the signs is also as just as valuable. Yeah, it's a huge component. I think before you obviously you began making the book, I think the incredible personal contribution of these artists is, is definitely warranted. And I think as you examine the genre of neon, I think what I've really embraced too is just on a personal level is that everybody has a different aesthetic, whether it be in a certain city or or what, you know, from location to location. But it is sort of a lifetime's worth of work. It's not like as if these artists did it for a while and did eventually maybe they do walk away from from the profession. But nine times out yeah. of 10, it's a continuation. It's a process between their whole life's work. And I do admire books, especially yours, that take the time to, you know, work against off the issue of like, okay, it is a nice photo. And I have nothing against photo books. It's not judgmental. I just think that, yeah. you know, it's such a great opportunity for people to um, get a sense of, of what, you know, what happened with these signs and also um, just look and examine maybe, like I said, culturally or historically or racially what was going on um you know, during that cultural sort of moment where you know like i said we didn't always have the the brilliance of of you know social media to be able to do all these things and so i think the timing is, is a bit of luck but i think it also takes a certain amount of effort to do um stories and, and set aside time for those personal moments so it's a great um i think it's a great opportunity especially for you guys. anyone who wants to learn more about uh, Toronto neon that's just Sounds incredible, um, especially from the way it was put together. So uh, projections yeah. on and, um, new, right? Did it just came out recently as well? 
Yeah, so it came out uh, December 1st, actually. So right at the beginning of December, just in time for the holiday season. Um, And so we had a a great launch party. Um, We thought it would be great to have it in a a venue that has a significant neon sign. Um, So we held it at the Elmo Combo uh, nightclub here in in the city. And it's hosted some iconic acts throughout its history, from the Rolling Stones to Blondie. Um, And so we were privileged enough to be able to have access to the space and host the launch party there. Um, So it was a great sort of introduction for the general public to the the project that we've been working so long on. Um, And just having a a celebratory moment to uh, have around Toronto signage. It's a wonderful time too, I think too, especially with those uh, those kind of historical venues. I mean, the features and everything, I'm sure it just worked lovely between trying to, uh, you know, just get the word out. Um, personally, I think that the signage, especially now, I, I think it's such a rich history. Is there um, potential for uh, additional volumes or have you guys thought about, obviously it's so soon, um, but I'm sure you're finding new things as time goes on. Is this going to be, is there possibly a part two or is it going to be more of like a, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So right now um, the thinking is that this will have a life online um, through our Instagram, which is signs that define, um, which will continue to add signs that didn't make it to the book. Um, Cause we came across signs that we just couldn't fit uh, into the book. And so, felt like we needed a, a second platform in order to to continue these stories. So by all means, the the Instagram uh, that we developed for the book is one that will be regularly updated um, and hopefully lead to further conversations. Um, and then, of course, there's always conversations about other cities uh, and expanding it to include, um, you know, different types of signage. So I think that's always a conversation. But I think for now, um, we're really exploring the the use of it online as a living document. It's great. And if people want to go and pick this up, can you where where can they go to grab a copy? Yeah, so you can grab a copy online uh, at the Spacing Store. Um, so they have a website with a store that you can order it, and they do shipping across North America. Um, so. It's, very easy to find uh, through a Google search. So spacing and the signs that define Toronto. Lovely. Well, thank you, Kurt. This has been really awesome. Um, anybody who's listening, definitely go check out the book. It's uh, such a wonderful piece of work, it sounds like. And um, yeah, I just can't uh, can't wait to see all the stuff that comes out of it, especially when it comes to these decades worth of of information. It just, um, it's just a wonderful time to... Uh, to be a neon fan. And I think work like this is definitely reflective of what's going on now, which is, um, you know, just really, uh, wonderful, um, significant signs. Um, obviously the historical prominence and, you know, continuing to, to see people capture all of that in a book, it's just a wonderful placement for it. So thank you again for um, being a guest and, uh, appreciate your time. Great. Thanks for having me on. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up. And as always, thanks for listening.